Spring 2013. My roommate actually stayed with me for this semester, being the first and only roommate to room with me for a full semester and then stay on for the next semester. Tyson remained, but transferred to Bauer and was replaced by Sean after drop ad allowed him to make this move. Eric stayed in the room as well, but he did not transfer into our room until three or four weeks into the fall semester. So that's why my roommate gets the crown. But I was impressed that I had found people who weren't totally trying to run away from me. This semester marked my semester of student teaching, and a lot of stories of stress and reflection can be attributed with his experience. I worked under Mr. Kraft, who was also an adjunct professor at the university, so that caused a lot of unneeded and added stress. It also left me assuming incorrectly that he'd be able to guide the experience for success. Especially with the emotional fog that I was in, it took me a good four to five weeks to really get comfortable and then understand my role in the classroom, which always seemed to be limited anyways. Once I was able to navigate through the slug of my own and others' lives, I was able to see the hearts and souls of incredible students within the classroom. Unable to appreciate the students in the way that they probably deserved because of a bizarre classroom structure that no one understood. I can only reflect on the wonderfulness of the students. Alexis was a smart girl who had her out-to-lunch moments, but no one really liked her because she was the fat chick. But she was an incredible worker if one actually sat down and worked with her. Autumn was easily the most appreciated because she was intelligent and always willing to be helpful. Being very intelligent, her unrequested comments were a great aid to move a lesson along. Carly was intelligent too. I tried to find some way to get a reading grade below 100, but that didn't work. But I got her to slouch in her chair and give me attitude some days, a victory in my book, with teaching more than just content. Easily, I had to work the hardest with my relationship towards Zach T, since he was the self-nominated class clown although about five other people consistently challenged him for that situation. In him, I saw a lot of myself, which made me wonder why the hell I didn't act up and raise hell for my teachers. It just seemed like so much fun. He was always willing to try and do whatever was needed, but he just could not understand when enough was enough, or when he had to be quiet, or when he had to just listen to authority and do something even though he did not understand why he had to do it. I wasn't able to get him to act much better, but I feel like he did develop a certain level of respect for me. About all one can ask for in a situation like that. Aji was my self-appointed Phoebe of the class, and she had serious ADHD, which prevented her from walking half the time. <clears throat> and she kind of looked like Phoebe as well. I can't tell you how many days I would just be happy about the fact that I had a Phoebe in the classroom, regardless of if there's anything to be happy about on that day or not. My favorite student, Olivia, could be a real pain, but also a real sweetheart, depending on the moment. She looked rather like a boy, and to be honest, it took me the first two weeks to figure out that she was a girl for sure. I was out of it, okay? She even wanted to go to the boys' side of the classroom when I invited the class by gender for a game. But for no particular reason, there was someone that was and is my favorite. I even made her the line leader, replacing Autumn. I mean, Olivia asked if she could be the, line, the new line leader right before I appointed her, but I had already made up my mind. Of different days and events occurred throughout my time there, the one that I can't help remember was when all hell broke loose one day. 
talking to other teachers, all students over the United States seemed to be wound up that day, and with my class full of students waiting to explode in general, it created a perfect storm. I was left alone while my teacher finished some work on his computer and went to the library to check out some books for the students. The following is the formal incident report that I wrote up about the day. We started Voyager, small group, while other students went to the library or read quietly at 11. Some students were out getting their pictures taken. The Voyager students complained about not going to the library. Olivia and Emily had to be addressed on this issue. D'Angelo took five minutes to join the group. Eventually, we focused and went on. Around 11.15, Autumn came to me crying, and I called the two students who she, she said were involved, Caleb and AJ. They claimed to have accidentally hit her with a tennis ball. I discussed the unacceptableness of their behavior, told both students to write their names on the board, classroom procedure, and sent Autumn to the nurse. After Voyager, I rang the bell three times, waited, and discussed the procedures for returning quietly to their desks to begin a reading test. Audrey was being disruptive, claiming that she wanted to go home, and I asked her to please focus. Olivia was also being talkative, name on the board. Chance got in trouble for a similar reason, name on the board. Joel looked noticeably upset, and I asked him to move to the pod to take his test. However, he started towards the pod, but declined and chose to remain in his seat, which I did not challenge because of his anger issues. Then I asked Audrey to move to the pod to stop bothering the class. However, she went to the bathroom hallway instead. Olivia, when sent to timeout, classroom procedure, in defiance, joined Audrey in the bathroom hall. After hearing laughter, Joel got up to join Olivia, which I did not stop fearing an explosion. I quickly finished giving directions to the class, along with my expectations that no one would cause any more problems. After removing the students from the bathroom hallway, I told Joel to return to his seat, which he did without incident. Then I proceeded to talk with Olivia about why her actions were unacceptable and moved Audrey to the pod to sit quietly under the supervision of Mrs. Wright. I positioned myself in the middle of the room to monitor the students while taking the exam, specifically any potential problems. Olivia, Joel, a chance with possibilities of Zach T and Colby and be within close distance if an incident were to occur. Around 11.45, Joel got out of his seat with looks and remarks towards Chris that showed he was ready to attack him. I moved between the two and restrained Joel with the help of Zach T. Then I sent Chris, then Zach T, out of the classroom to get Mrs. Wright, who was in the pod, to help settle the situation. After Joel was removed, I calmed the class and had us return to our work as best we could. Joel re-entered the class without incident when Mrs. Wright left for lunch, and he sat quietly away from the class until we went to lunch. He was noticeably still upset, and I had him walk by me at the end of the line. From that day on, although it was really from the time of Mr. Kraft's first observation, my confidence in classroom management just wasn't the same. I struggled through about two more weeks of my internship, but eventually decided to just withdraw. By the end, I was actually getting more confidence in myself and comfortable with the position and the class of students that I was in, but I just felt like my presence was allowing for students to misbehave and was being a detriment to the learning environment. So in a theme that was quickly becoming dominant in my life, I decided to just take the easy road out, road out get a little bit of rest. I was exhausted and my anger at the world started preventing me from sleeping at night, which was not helping my exhaustion. And I figured out what I was going to do with everything later. I mean, I could still graduate by taking a few other classes. And at the end of the day, that's all I had to do, graduate. Everything else was secondary. 
But there I was, in a room where I could put plenty of things up on the wall, mindlessly doing or forgetting to do the dishes, and cleaning up the dorm to keep myself occupied in my waking hours, and lying half awake on my bed for my sleeping hours at night. I just had this sense that there was so little hope in people and relationships. Nothing really new. It's the same feeling of frustration and being lost and hopelessness that I had been slapping me in the face for semesters previous. It was seemingly the inevitable conclusion that I had to learn about life. But in my heart, I couldn't accept it. Even in Walter Tevis's Mockingbird, Paul Bentley and Mary Lou were able to find love. The whole story of this topia is about Bentley escaping prison and making a pilgrimage back to find the love of his life. Yet here, in a world not so entirely desolate, I felt like there wasn't anyone to care about, to chase after, to love with all my heart, to fight for. Sure, I could run up to Ohio to stalk Caroline, or drive down to Sarasota to bang on Jerry Lynn's door, or try to hunt down Ashlyn at the University of Houston, but why would any of them talk to me? Ashlyn and Chelsea had made it clear that they never wanted to talk to me again, and that I had to accept some relationships slash friendships just die. Jerry Lynn, and Tristan for that matter, was engaged, but she is always still a sweetheart if one really needs someone. Caroline was busy with her life, and I'm sure I did not something to offend or scare her off somewhere along the line. Or, like Lisa, and unlike myself, she actually has a busy life that keeps her busy and focused, so there's no reason to worry about me. It's a hard feeling to swallow. To sit back and to really think who is there for me. Sure, I'd go close to my family with the whole internship incident, but I was graduating and heading off on my own. This wasn't a time to get attached to my family. So there you have all of it that's important. So far, at least. Or at least, you almost have it. I'm an invisible man. And it placed me in a hole. Or showed me the hole I was in. If you will. And I reluctantly accepted the fact. What else could I have done? Once you get used to it, reality is as irresistible as a club, and I was clubbed into the cellar before I caught the hint. Perhaps that's the way it had to be. I don't know. When one is invisible, he or she finds such problems as good and evil, honesty and dishonesty, of such shifting shapes that he confuses one with the other, depending on who happens to be looking through him at the time. Well, now I've been trying to look through myself, and there's a risk in it. I was never more hated than when I tried to be honest. Or when, even as just now, I've tried to articulate exactly what I felt to be the truth. On the other hand, I've never been more loved and appreciated than when I tried to justify and affirm someone's mistaken beliefs or when I've tried to give my friends the incorrect, absurd answers they wished to hear. It made 
them happy. And it made me so sick. So I became ill of affirmation, of saying yes against the naysaying in my stomach, not to mention my brain. Dear Ashlyn, as I reflect on my reflection, I think about what really matters in life. I look around and wonder about genuine human connections. Why other people are so cold. Why I'm so bad at making such connections. Why good friends are so hard to find. I went off to college to make friends and now that I'm graduating I feel more friendless than when I arrived. Three whole years of trying to be a diplomat and build connections have resulted in a few burnt relationships and a couple guy friends that I'll talk to maybe once or twice after graduation. It just seems sad. Not sad in the sense that I want others to pity me, but sad in a deeper sense. The type of sadness that moves one to apathy because in the end, why does any of this really matter? And logically, I know love and relationship will conquer all, but it seems hard to believe that enough to dream it or care about my own dreams. I can hardly even cry anymore because I don't let myself hope, get attached, or care about my own future. There's a million things I want to say. This letter has been going through my mind over and over and over again for months. Every day, some new edition published in the quiet recesses of my mind. But now I can hardly remember even my complaints against society. Simply, I want someone to save me, but I know no one will ever come. I know you'll never believe me or care about what's in my mind, but I've tried so hard to find friends who will be there for me to support me, to help me, to help me adjust and learn about the social world that I'm ignorant of, but I messed up went to a school where everyone is more sheltered and awkward than I am. You were, are, and always 100% right. You chose a good school, and I chose a backwards sucky one. Maybe that will haunt me for a time. Or at least now I'm exhausted from forever and always not being good enough. I wrote a short story, Orange, once, where I said that the words one speaks aren't really important. And Gandhi, quoting Remember Me, said that whatever we do in life will be meaningless, but it's important that we do it. Nothing I can say or don't say will change your mind about anything. Hell, I'm lucky if you've even read this far. But similar to Chris, Robin Williams' character in What Dreams May Come, I might as well say a few things to make myself feel better. Thank you for being a great friend, one of the best I've ever had. 
That's what really hurt when we broke up. That I lost my best and primary friend. And despite trying, no one's ever really come as close to me since you've left. I've had lovers and guy friends and roommates and people to flirt with. Sure. But never the honest and genuine support. Despite all my shortcomings that for some reason you gave me. Maybe because you really cared about me and loved me. Or maybe... You just have a really good heart for the people you meet. I can wonder till it drives me mad, but now, <laughs> does it really matter? <laughs> All I know is that friendship is important. It's why Will, Goodwill Hunting, is strong enough to leave and follow his love. It's what the characters of Rain or Me needed to balance their lives. Thanks for your mind and view of the world. Some days, it still drives me crazy. And I know we broke up for really good reasons. I'm not sure if I'll ever understand your mind, or if I'm even capable of doing so. But I can admire and respect, dare I say, love who you are. Something I rarely was able to do when we were together. I've watched Phoebe in Wonderland so many times just to analyze Phoebe's mind. I've got it lost in the movie, written papers for school on it, have a 50-page document of my reflections on it, but just because you said that she thinks like you doesn't mean it will ever really help me understand. Thanks for being incredible. I met so many lame and terribly annoying people slash girls in college, and it is comforting to know that there are decent people like yourself. I always thought I'd try to play the field in college and see what experiences I could find, and I'm sorry that it caused me to overlook what I had. Nowhere have I ever found someone more beautiful than yourself, and only one or two rivals for your personality, but none with a commitment to friendship like you showed me. I was lucky to find someone like you once or horribly unlucky at finding friends at the present moment. Take your pick. Now, where to go and what to do. I had something I wanted to say in conclusion, but it's escaped my mind. I had something I wanted to do with my life, but that passion's gone too. Some people claim that there's a woman to blame, but I know it's my own damn fault. And the few friends that I've have or had just seem to wonder what's wrong with me. Maybe I should spend my time seeking therapy and drugs to correct whatever disorder I have. I just don't know. Just don't hate me. You don't have to like me. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to do whatever you'd like with me. Just don't hate me. It seems I lose what values the most to me in life because I just don't care about something or someone. And then he slash she <clears throat> wants to kill me when I do care. It makes one question the idea of passion at all. <clears throat> I hope this finds you well. And I'm sorry for intruding in your thoughts and daily pleasures. Your friend, always, Corey Kogi Coglin.